open, that our minds will be clear, that you'll give us uh, open mouths to, to, to share with each other honestly what we're feeling and thinking, and uh, to, to go from here refreshed and strengthened by the presence that you exhibit among us. And Father, again, we ask that you bless all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I'm going to talk through this mic. Uh, so, yeah, so what we're going to study for our men's time is going to be prayer, but not necessarily how to pray. I think, uh, you know, that's probably an ever-growing situation. We're always learning how to pray. But I want to kind of give us a more uh, meta perspective on prayer so it can inspire your times of prayer and prayerfully inform you about some things that may be working behind the scenes that you didn't even realize in your time of prayer. So what has prayer been like for you? We'll take some questions like, well, how has that been? You know, kind of where, where have you been? Maybe you're someone who prays all the time and you're like, that's the most important meeting of my day. Maybe you're someone who's like, I honestly, bro, other than praying for meals, I don't pray. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know about my daily bread. Like, where have you been these last couple of months, maybe years, maybe days in your journey and communing with God? That's it. That's <laughs> AJ. <laughs> I feel like this is something that Lindsay's been really encouraging me to pray more on a regular basis. But in general, I feel like, if I'm being really honest, um, I pray when I'm in crisis, mostly. Mm. Appreciate you being honest about that, bro. Lincoln? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was, I mean, for years and years, it was, it was a prayer. I mean, it was a very complete prayer. It was like, I had all the different topics covered, and that's kind of what I thought of prayer. Um, and in recent years, it's, it's more, you know, just, it's more emotional and, and connecting with the presence of God in my life and, and, and having a, more of a friendship with God. Amen. So more relational, more friendship. It's amazing. Anyone else want to share about how their journey has been these last couple of days, weeks, years, etc.? How has it been? You know, in fact, I'll share. After, after I share Wade, did, you, you, we could go. You know, for me, this is something the last maybe... Three years, I, I've been on this journey to trying to pray well. That's been my, my goal. I want to pray well. Uh, and I've tried different things, and I've kind of landed in a good rhythm for Steve, just for Steve. I have found that certain liturgical practices are very helpful for me because it kind of forms like uh, uh, a cast, like I, I'm being poured into this dive. But I'm still learning more about prayer. And I think what led me on that journey was um, a variation of what some of you guys have shared from the emotional, intimate connection with God that I would have sometimes and sometimes I wouldn't to the panic prayers of like, God, I need you right here and now. But even the prayers of anticipation, like expected things. I think, so I've gone in the last 14 years just on this wave. And right now I feel good, but I still want to learn more on how to connect with the Father. So it's been super helpful for me, uh, Wade. Really, Jesus as well. The Father, the Son, the Spirit, all of it. Yeah, I think, uh, I think for me, uh, it's Oh, good stuff, Wade. Appreciate you sharing that. Lenny? Yeah, I think uh, good and bad, um, so to speak. Um, for me, I think I haven't, I haven't been as consistent with 
seen him in a long time. We weren't really in touch. But I, but I remember him and his wife and you know, what a joy they were. And so, I, and so, you know, I just took some time to, to pray for his wife and his family, you know, stuff like that. I feel like those are the things I've, I've grown a lot in. But, uh, but I'm, I'm, you know, conversely, I'm not praying consistently for other things that you probably should pray consistently for. Amen. Hopefully we can walk away from this time not feeling guilty, but really getting our minds sparked. If you feel guilty, the Holy Spirit did that. Because the goal isn't to feel that, at least on my end. I wasn't like, let's shame God's people. So if you walk away feeling some deep sort of shame, you have to believe that was from the Holy Spirit. Because everything in here is all, this is fired up. Let's love Jesus together as a community. Uh, how many of you guys are familiar with the word worldview? Worldview. Anyone want to throw out a definition of what they think that means? <laughs> what does that word mean? Fred? I think it's just the, the way we perceive the world around us and how we fit into it. Yeah. And, you know, what most of us are doing subconsciously, we don't even know what worldview we're operating in. It's like swimming in water. We don't even know. It, takes, it actually takes us encountering some other perspective to kind of recognize our own perspective. And so in so many ways, we are all bringing our worldviews into our times of prayer. What we believe about God is showing up in how we pray. And so I'm hoping today as we look at, this is not an exhaustive list, but as we look at some different worldviews, you can start to see, okay, this is what is informing and shaping my times of prayer. And I think it's really important that we know what's forming us. So if we feel like there needs to be some transformation or there needs to be some sort of adjustment, then we could do that, as opposed to not being aware of what, what's actually going on beneath the surface of our own hearts. All right. So I, I kind of I, I give a more extensive rundown of these things, but I just, these are cliff notes. So some, some of these I kind of combined a little bit. They're like eight biblical worldviews. Materialism is a biblical worldview only because in Psalms, I think, 14, it says, the fool says in his heart there is no God. So because it mentioned it once, I'm going to mention that as a worldview in the Bible. That doesn't mean that the Bible supports that worldview, but it's in the Bible. Does that make sense, guys? All right, so there's the heaven and earth worldview. This is the worldview where uh, everything done on earth has a spiritual counterpart. So this is not necessarily uniquely unique to the Bible, but it is the one we can find in the Bible. So if Daniel is having conflict with, um, if, that, if Israel and Daniel are having conflict with Babylon, then the angels in heaven are having conflict as well. And so there is an idea that both are working together. There's a partnership. There's an anticipation for heaven to break through on the earth. And so this person who holds this worldview, generally they, they belong to high churches or Pentecostal churches, where it's like there's an anticipation that God could do something at any moment. Like they're always thinking God could do something at any moment. We, 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 in our fellowship, sometimes we can mock these people. You know, like, oh yeah, they pray for a parking spot. But they really believe that God will move heaven and earth to get them that parking spot. They're like, God will grab this angel and move this car so you can get there on time. Where the rest of us, if you don't have that worldview, you never pray for a parking spot. You're like, that is just a part of life. Sometimes there's parking spots, sometimes they're not. You know, high churches usually pray like these grandiose prayers. They're like looking for God to break into the world. So that's that worldview. Then you have the spiritualist worldview where, you know, your Bible begins in Genesis chapter 3. It's the fall. It's all bad. 
And the answer to that is fix yourself. This is where I kind of fall under. I pray for me to be formed. I want to be someone that God can use. I'm always praying prayers about my own heart and what's happening with my humbleness and what's happening with my attitude. And so maybe I don't pray as much for God to break into the world as I should, or even, maybe I shouldn't. But I'm usually praying like formation prayers. Like, God, help me be something. That's usually coming from this worldview, usually because we recognize the fallenness of the world and the fallenness of ourselves. The materialist worldview, don't pray. They just don't pray. Like, you don't anticipate God doing anything in your own personal life, and you don't anticipate God doing anything anywhere. You, 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 in so many ways, you function as an atheist, which is not good, obviously. And then the theological worldview is a blend of the first one and the second one. So you pray prayers that you could control. You don't pray prayers to, like, drastically transform a community or drastically transform a neighborhood or drastically transform your family. You pray things like, God, help me have a good Thanksgiving. And you invited the three people you really like. So now you definitely will have a good Thanksgiving. You just control the situation. You pray prayers like, God, help me not look at porn, but you don't pray prayers like, God, help me stop lusting. Because you're like, well, I could choose today not to look at porn, but lust, I'll never, I'll never be able to do that. So you pray in a fixed world, which is if you read um, a lot of evangelical authors, that's really, if you read their books on prayer, that's really what they're getting at. Like, it, it, it's more personal, personal construction, if you will. And then there's the in, integral worldview. This is open theism. This is for those who kind of feel like uh, God has not ordained every single day, that the book is still being written. This is where a lot of progressive churches get their steam for their work. They are like, we can end an oppressive situation today, like today. So they're not thinking one day something like slavery will come to an end. They're like, we could change it today because God has given us this day to change it. So there's an idea that God is still working and he has not settled the matter and he's still going to work. So these people generally always find themselves involved in political issues because they think they could change the world today. That there's not a day out there in the future that God will change things. And so as I describe some of these things, I want you guys to think about, okay, what resonates with me? Am I someone who prays in such a way that I'm always anticipating God breaking into my present reality? Am I someone who always prays, man, God, change me? I don't know if you could change anyone else, but change me. Maybe I don't pray. Maybe I am, like, self-sufficient and everything's going good, or maybe everything's going bad and I just accept the, way, the world the way it is. Or maybe I pray controlled prayers. I don't want God to disappoint me. I don't want to have, like, great dreams and aspirations because then I might get disappointed and then I might get let down. Or maybe you live and you pray in such a way that the world could change today and I pray like it. I pray and I work like it, that the world could change today and that God's instrument of righteousness is always me. When you guys think about our fellowship as a whole, churches of Christ, conservative bunch, good. Where, which worldview do you think we would fall under? Now, again, if fellowship from fellowship, person to person is different. But I'm just saying macro. If you just look macro before we go micro. Tim. So you would say generally you don't, in our fellowship of churches, macro, people don't think God could break in in this very second. I, I don't know that people would explicitly say we don't believe that, but I think, I think that there is a hesitancy to sort of like, it's not really, you know what I mean? It's like we don't, we're not really going to talk about that. Yeah. It could happen. <laughs> okay, okay. Anyone else want to chime in? Where, where do they think macro, fellowship as a whole, so far as you know? Fred. I don't know how to categorize I don't, I'm not getting what these these things are exactly. Okay. But I think our our worldview is that if we the 
Bible is sort of a how-to manual, and if we live according to that, then then we'll be fine with God, and God will be fine with us, and we pray because the Bible says we ought to pray. Um, we we go out and evangelize because people in the Bible evangelize. We baptize people because people in the Bible baptize people. We think that's right, but I don't. I don't believe we have a holistic, spiritual, a truly spiritual motive behind all that. Okay. Anyone else? Anyone else? Okay, we're going to narrow it down one more. What about Casco Bay? Maybe like same answer. <laughs> same answer. Well, do, do we anticipate a break it in at the Casco Bay Church? Jesse? I would say not one. Just I, not like, I think there are people, maybe individuals that feel that way, but I don't think like it's a, a cultural thing in our church. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think this is uh, this is interesting. What about at a personal level? When you guys heard me kind of describe it, would do it, does anyone need me to re-describe it at a little bit slower pace? I'll re-describe it at a little bit slower pace. Okay, so I'm gonna write. I'm gonna read exactly what the notes I have right here. All right, so the heaven and earth worldview. Every event is thus a combination of both realities, heaven and earth. If a war begins on earth, then there must be at the same time a war in heaven because the angels of the nations in the heavenly council are working with the earthly council. So again, you've heard in the Bible, um, Psalm 82, the heavenly council. So this is what, what, what they're talking about here. Likewise, events initiated in heaven are mirrored on earth. This is a symbolic way of saying that every material reality has a spiritual dimension and every spiritual reality has a physical consequence. There can be no event or entity that does not consist simultaneously of the visible and the invisible. So when the Lord says on earth as it is in heaven, there is an expectation that something is happening there that should be happening here. Any questions about that. Okay, let's go to the next one. The spiritualist worldview emerges from this radical notion that while the world was created good, the fall has tainted everything. And that God's ultimate plan is to use fallen people shaped in his image to do his will. Your, your call and your walk is plagued by sin and your job is to purify yourself to be a useful vessel to the Lord. Sounds biblical, right? Like, does one sound biblical? This sounds biblical. This is what we see in 1 Peter, where Peter says, you know, some for noble things, some for ignoble things. Like, shaping yourself. Consequently, sex, the body, and earthly life generally are necessary, but they are not your overall goal. Your overall goal is to reflect the image of God to this world and allow God to work through his vessel, his people. So again, your overall goal is to be spiritual. So, I mean, this question kind of applies to all of them, but you know, with these first two, they don't sound mutually exclusive in my mind, right? Because I feel like I can still feel that I'm uh, the life of the world, that the world's fallen place, and believe that there's a spiritual heavenly reality. They're not mutually exclu exclusive. Okay. Similar to most world, everything we read in the scriptures are not necessarily mutually exclusive, right? Like. There are aspects of Calvinism that I can say that's true while rejecting other aspects of Calvinism. Does that make sense? Yep. So they're not mutually exclusive. But one may be pre, preeminent in your conscience or subconscience. Does that make sense? So, but they're not mutually exclusive. And what about the atheist one? <laughs> that, honestly, there's some believers who live like atheists. We've seen them. <laughs> you know, they, they die. I believe, but your life says you believe nothing. And, and so we, we, we pray for them, that they would repent. Uh, does that need explanation, living in a materialist world? 
Would it still be helpful to give the notes that I have for that? Sure. Persons believe that God has ordained all things and that our job is to be amongst the elect. If God has chosen you, it will work itself out. Prayer and other piety acts are beneficial but not necessary in following God. That's number three, the materialist worldview. It sounds, if you've ever studied Calvinism, it sounds very close to that. No, I put no God atheist. So the notes that I'm driving this from is from a theological work from this guy named Walter Week. And he's just talking about how believers go to prayer. So from what Walter Week shared here, it, the individual does not need uh, does not need like they feel like they need to pray to God because they're the elect. It's like God said, you're good, Fred, or you're good, Wade, then anything else, it doesn't really matter. So if I already have a good life, why do I need to pray? So this is basically Calvinism. It can sound a lot like that. But he's called it the materialist worldview. It can sound a lot like that. But if you're elect, then why do you need to pray? Like God has already chosen you. Life is already good. All right, the theological worldview. In reaction to materialism, this worldview acknowledges that there are spiritual realities and that there are things that, uh, they did say things, there are spiritual realities that only can be explained through the lens of spirituality, but also through the lens of science. That certain things, gravity and natural laws have been fixed by God, and God seldomly breaks it to disrupt those natural laws. However, God does respond to prayer, especially prayers according to his will. He does not work outside of his will nor outside of his scriptures. So that's the blend. So he doesn't work outside of his will. He doesn't work outside of the scriptures. That's the blend. The integral worldview. The integral worldview believes that heaven has not written the final page. That anything at any given point could be changed. Books like Revelation point to an ultimate destination but do not get us to the final page. The work is still being written. Groups that believe in Acts 29 understand this ideology that the world is still being written. So our job as followers of Jesus is to be his supreme instruments to accomplish his will here and now to bring heaven here on earth as it is in heaven. Does that make more sense, guys? And so, again, on a personal level, reach what you think. Again, they're not mutually exclusive. But reach what do you think you lean more towards? And you're like, yeah, I definitely, like I can say confidently, I don't rock with the materialist worldview and the integral worldview, right? Like, that's just, I believe God is still working, but I also don't think I'm like his super-duper special vessel. I think I'm special because my mom told me. And because I believe the scriptures have called me his special possession. But I think whenever God talks about something changing, I always think he talks about the people. But that's me. I don't know if there's always just one person. He uniquely raises people up like David and such, David, Moses, etc. But generally, it's for the purpose of the greater people. So that's all I think. But is there any that you're like, oh, yeah, man, that, that resonates with me and, and why? Wait. That tends to be the way I pray. 
Yeah, you know, there's certain, there's certain scriptures you can look at that. If you just took one scripture and ignored the witness of scripture, that could lead to that conclusion. So, yeah, there's, there's aspects of it. You know, Jeremiah in particular, like, God's like, don't even pray for these people. I'm not changing my mind. Jeremiah still prays for them. But there's been plenty of times. And there's times where God changes his mind as well. Uh, Fred and then Jesse. Ain't that the true of all of us? I think when I read this, I'm like, the first one is like, oh, that captures my like aspirations, and like that's how I want to pray. Like, that's kind of what I want to believe about God. Like, God can do anything. He can transform us. He can work through the nations. <coughs> that's kind of my vision. But I think on my average day, I'm number two because I'm just praying about myself, my family. I'm kind of like my prayers and what might be possible kind of like you said like we can pray for things that we that's in the realm of what is going to happen like having a great Thanksgiving um, then I think on my like worst days it's the materialist like Tim was saying like if I looked at myself objectively that sort of mindset of like deism or like really feeling like can God like break the laws of nature like is he working in this world in an active way? That's that's kind of where I end up if I'm not like being intentional in my prayer life. No, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, you know what's interesting is, <clears throat> and next next session we're going to talk more about this. We're going to look at some scriptures here shortly. Is Jesus had a way of praying that I think if we, if we think about it, again, nothing's mutually exclusive, but Jesus had a way and an anticipation of how he prayed and what he anticipated when he prayed. That I think 
if you see Jesus pray, and then you think about your old prayers, it's always convicting. Like, if you just pay attention to what Jesus prays and when he prays and what happens afterwards versus when you pray and what you actually anticipate. I've been guilty of the guy who's prayed incredible things and then was blown away when they got answered. <laughs> like, God, let's do something awesome today. Did something awesome happen? And I was like, I didn't expect that. You know? <laughs> yeah, I prayed it, though. <laughs> like, I did not. Or like, God, I hope this conversation go exceedingly well, Lord. Work in this person's heart. Please move. Da, 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 da. I expect this is going to be the worst thing ever. I talked to them, and they move, and it's like, wow, man, like, this worked. And there's other times where I'm fully persuaded it's going to work, and then it doesn't. And you're just like, I don't know, man, Lord. I just walk in humility and the expectation. So let's look at these examples of some prayers. Again, we are just looking at the scriptures without taking the overall witness of the Bible in prayer. I think we could find a lot of what I just mentioned overall in the scriptures, but I just want to look at these examples. These are things that I've been taught in how to pray in our fellowship, and I'm pretty sure all of us have had lessons. How many of you have ever taught lessons on prayer? I would love if next time you could bring your lessons and we could see which one kind of where, where you were leaning toward. Like when you were teaching your lessons on prayer, like, oh, man, you know what? That lesson from Lincoln, uh, he thought heaven could break in. He really believed that. Or Lincoln, man, all right, all right. You still think the Lord is still working. But it'd be cool to you guys to look back at your lessons on prayer and see where we're like, oh, this is where I was leaning when I taught about prayer. Can I get someone to read uh, Matthew 6, verse 9 through 13? Matthew 6, Jesse. Proverbs 30, verse 7 through 9. Wade. Acts chapter 4, verse 24 to 31. Lincoln. Mark, you could get 1 Kings 18, 36 through 37. And then Ephesians 3. Iggy. Ephesians 3. All right. Jesse, you, you could kick us off. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. How many of you were taught that you weren't supposed to literally pray like this, but you were supposed to use this as an outline for prayer? I was taught that, you know. I remember being a young Christian, so a little bit of my conversion story. I never went to church growing up, ever, until I was 20 and I started studying the Bible. So they challenged me to read the Bible, and then I was reading through Matthew, and Jesus said, this is how you should pray. And so the guys asked me to pray, and then I turned over to Matthew our Father in heaven, hallowed be. They all open their eyes as they see me read it. And then they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, Jesus said, this is how we should pray. You told me to listen to the red letters. And I'm like, no, Jesus doesn't really mean that. They had no idea that they were going to sit me for a tailspin the next couple of years about what Jesus really means. But they told me, they said, Jesus doesn't really mean that. He, this is an outline. He's like basically teaching you how to pray in an outline. And I remember the question I asked. I'm like, how do we know when he really means what he means and when he does it? And they said... You got to trust more mature brothers. I was like, I guess. And so now I know that they, they just didn't know what they were talking about. They meant well, though. No, seriously, they meant well. They weren't evil. They weren't malicious. They meant well. But let's just say we took these words serious. How different does that transform, even if you prayed this daily, and you, and you were thinking to yourself that I am the vessel for this prayer to be answered? Like, I am the vessel of forgiveness. Because he says, forgive those who sin against you, forgive those who have debt against you. But you're thinking to yourself, today when I'm outside and someone offends me, I'm going to forgive. How different will your, your day be? And if he says, your kingdom come, your will be done, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, man, at every opportunity, I could bring the rule and reign of God in this situation. How different would my world be? Or lead me not into temptation. I think a lot of people should pray that prayer at the very least, word for word. Lord, lead me not into temptation. Because uh, it's gonna, sometimes it's going to come. But anyhow, I wanted to share that because Jesus says this is how we should pray. Now, let me tell you, whether or not you want to pray more than this or pray more, I don't know if there's more advanced prayers. But if you want to pray more than this, amen. But at the very least, Jesus meant what he said. 
there's no, there's no, there's no witness of 300 years that he was teaching us an outline for prayer. I don't know where that idea came from. That doesn't mean that there are not other prayers recorded in Scripture we're going to see, and there are other ways to pray, but Jesus says this is how you should pray. I think that's really important as we think of examples of prayer. Proverbs 30. This is something I was taught in my 40-day Christian packet after I got baptized. They gave you 40 days of quiet times to set you up for the rest of your life. Inspiring times. Go for it, Wade. If we were going to look at the last two we just looked at, where would you say they fall under the Lord's Prayer and this, 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 this prayer for Proverbs or this teaching for Proverbs? If you were going to look at the last two scriptures we just read and you're going to try to match them up with one of these prayers over here or these worldviews over here, which one do you think they would line up well with? Both of them? Yeah, it's funny. Um, anyone else want to take a shot? I feel like Matthew 6 knocks off all three except, uh, or everyone here except uh, the materialist worldview. Like, it, 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 it may be at the theological worldview of the smaller prayers, right? But everything else, Matthew talks about turning you into a person who can sort of forgive and be meek and humble, but then also a person who anticipates the breaking of the kingdom, a person who still thinks the will of God can be done. Where Proverbs kind of zeroes you in more on the spiritualist or maybe even the theological worldview of, ah, oh, I just want to pray like this, just this much. Uh, Acts chapter 4. Yep. Uh, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. He spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, and rulers gather together against the Lord, against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against the Holy Spirit, <coughs> whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So again, this is another example of kind of a blend of everything, right? I did like come out here and heal. Like, it's crazy. You know, again, like, how many of us really pray, like, God, heal? <laughs> you know, like, uh, in my time in Miami, even in my time here, there's been plenty of people who would come up to me after, you know, we make a prayer request for somebody, like, God, work through the doctors. So, it, 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 without fail, someone will come up to me once a year. Why don't we just pray to get healed? Why do we ask God to work through the doctors? I'm like, next time you get up here and pray, man, you do it. But, you know, it, 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 it's the reality of are we expecting a breakthrough? That reveals a lot about what I expect. Like, am I expecting God to just usher in and do something? Or even sometimes with spiritual formation prayers or prayers of surrender. But in this prayer right here, you see something very unique about these men right here that were walking with God. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 36 to 37. Time of the at the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let, let me know today that you are the God in Israel, and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, 
Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. And so again, this is a prayer where Elijah is calling in front of the prophet to Baal, like, I want you to see this great sign. And so he's calling, God, do something here for the sake of your name, for the sake of your glory, so all people can see you work. And we, we know the rest of the story. It actually happens. And then Elijah kills all those false prophets, which is something Jesus doesn't approve of. Now, I don't know what Jesus thinks about it, but he definitely wouldn't want his followers to do that today. Uh, so don't imitate the prayer to that extent. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21. For this reason, I knew before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives me. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your Pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now through him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, Amen. <clears throat> so we're looking at the perspectives of prayer. You know, I have found over the years, once you kind of understand someone's perspective on prayer, you understand the degree to which they're faithful to prayer. Like if someone really is like, like I think what Jesse mentioned, let's just say you really think at any moment heaven can break in, at any moment that at every moment you want to involve God, if that's the way you really think. Or if you're at the last end, at any moment, the world could change. At every moment, you're actively praying and seeking it. If you're at the place where at any moment my character could be transformed, then you're consistently praying. It all depends on what you believe is happening and what you believe and how you believe God is responding and working. Jesus had the unique ability of thinking that God's will could be accomplished. And so later through the gospel, especially through the book of Luke, page after page, prayer, then deeds, then words. Prayer, deeds, the words. Prayer, deeds, the words. Then you go into the book of Acts, same pattern happens. Prayer, deeds, and words. Prayer, deeds, and words. We in our fellowship are prayer, words, and some deeds. Prayer, words, and some deeds. But I think God's people, if you guys really, if I really started to believe at any moment things could change, then I'm always praying. I'm always ready. And this speaks to uh, the, the parable. Let's go to Luke. Luke 18. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Then Jesus told, them, told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And he said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in a town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversaries. For some time he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This parable, like all parables, is intended to kind of shake you out of your seat a little bit. Now, in this parable, God is being presented as an unjust God, right? But the parable is supposed to say, if you even thought God was unjust, look, this unjust judge is responding. So if you, if you even thought that God was just like this person, at the very least, God is going to respond. 
if you're consistent. That's what the point is. But we know that Jesus believed God wasn't unjust. Does that make sense? So they were supposed to say, well, well, I could see a situation if every single day and night this widow kept bothering this judge. Give me justice, give me justice, give me justice. And she gets louder and louder. Give me justice, give me justice. He's like, listen, I don't know who bothered this lady, but let's make sure she gets justice right now before it gets bad. He's like, how much more God who isn't unjust? How much more God who does care? You see, there is an anticipation in the teachings of Jesus that something could change like that. But there is a desire for him to, for, for us and him to be partnered together in this consistency of communication. Are you guys following me? And so our worldview makes a world of difference. Some of us could be in situations where we're experiencing personal injustice at the workplace, this place, that place. But we're like, well, I'm not going to bring it to God because God cannot transform anything. And so that's communicating something about your worldview about God. Maybe God doesn't care about your needs. Maybe those needs are too small for an infinite God. Maybe you are too small for an infinite God that's compassionate. Maybe you don't think God is compassionate. It all depends on what are we praying about and what are we praying for. Again, going back to the initial perspective, every night or morning, whenever you decide to pray, what, what, what's, what's driving you? What's moving you? Is it, man, I think today God will break in and do something new. And I'm ushering that in. Like, I serve a God who could change his mind about what he was going to do today. How many of you think God could change his mind about what he was going to do today? Some of us are like, nah, the day's already written, man. There's nothing that's going to change. I know God says on January what year is it? 2022? January 72. Steve, you're going to die. Has God ever changed someone's death date in the Bible? Can we, can we remember that guy's name? Hezekiah. Hezekiah. Did, did God lie to Isaiah that he was going to die that day? No. He I think he literally was going to die that day. Or that, during that season when Isaiah came to him and was like, hey, Set your house in order. You're done for. Hezekiah jumped on his knees and was like, come on, man. And then God was like, okay, go back. Tell him you got 15 more years. All right. <laughs> you got 15 years. Yes. And then he went to go show the king of Babylon. And he's like, yo, the Babylonians are going to come and take your stuff, but not in your lifetime. He's like, hey, whatever, dude. <laughs> they can take it. He's like, he doesn't even care. He's like, I got another 15 years of living. We see God respond to prayers of barrenness. You know, we think of um, um, Samuel's mother, Hannah. Hannah? Yeah. Hannah. Okay, Hannah. She was in the temple. Like, she's like, God, give me a baby. Give me a baby. And she got one. You know, and I could go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. My point is, are we anticipating? And we could talk about prayers of character formation. Like David said, created me a pure heart. From everything we see in the scriptures, after he did with what he did with Bathsheba, does he ever commit a similar act again? Even though he had opportunity to because he's a king and he's powerful. Did he ever commit another act of adultery so far as we're aware of what we see in the scriptures? No, I believe he, that what we see in Psalm 51 where he's like, God created me a pure heart. Do not take the joy of my salvation away from me. Only against you and you, I said. Like, he really was contrite, and he's like, this is it. This is a game changer for me. I messed up big time, and all I'm asking is, can I stay close to you? And David was faithful on his part, and God was even more faithful on his end. And was able to create in David that new heart. And then you read the opening chapters of 1 Kings, and David is like a mafia hitman. He's like, kill all these people. That's a crazy intro. Uh, <laughs> Psalm, 2 Samuel is, David is like, wow, man. This is, they, first Kings kick off, and you're like, David, you were kind of angry before you went to the grave, but that's all right, man. You lived a hard life. First half of the year running. Um, so I want to ask you guys, what do you think, as, as we're having this discussion, may, you may need to think more about what are some things you think that may need to change. And you can speak macro if you're talking about the church, but personal if you're talking about you. Does that make sense? 
So I'm not going to sit back, oh, Jesse needs to change this. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can say, Casco Bay needs to change this. But if I'm going to talk about any individual, it's only going to be Steve. Does that make sense? Like, what are some things that we think that we, maybe we need to change, our culture needs to change, as, as we talk about prayer? Thank you. Yeah, I think recently I've thought of God, it's almost a, a materialist view where I view God as a God of comfort and he's there and he helps us through things and stuff. But as far as actually praying to God to move and change things, uh, kind of acting in, in our world and, and doing amazing things, I, I, that's not the way I think about God at all. But it's just like really challenging. Amen. Yeah, we need to encourage one another. You know what I mean? Like, we need that encouragement. Like, God can work. He has work. But then get the encouragement for the disappointment when he doesn't work. Like, I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's response to Nebuchadnezzar. They're like, God can save us from this slave. But even if he doesn't, we're still going to be faithful. But God can save us. Hey, what else? Iggy. Starting that engine, I feel like I, I want to have those those big things. I like what you said and those examples you brought up in the scripture. It's just like God made all those things happen, and it's it's very powerful and encouraging because He's the same God now. Um, so just encouraging that, and our like I guess each of like our friends like they have big prayers too, just like completely supporting that, just because sometimes. We share that prayer, and people can be like, oh, that's, I don't think that's possible. Or, like, people can kind of <laughs> put the prayer down a bit and just be more encouraging than, than I guess that's my suggestion. Yeah, you know, there, there's this book from Justin Renton called Wounded Idealist. Uh, it happens to all of us. The older we get, especially when we see certain prayers don't get answered. And sometimes God is saying, not right now. Sometimes he's saying, no, period. But the older we get and we don't see prayer, we start to scale back. Like, how many of us want to be disappointed? This is why he says, keep praying and don't give up in this passage. Like, how many times, it seems like this woman in this story went to the person probably more than a month. You know what I mean? Like, some of us, we like, God, do this. I want a new job. I want a new job. I want a new job. It don't happen for two weeks. You're like, I guess I'm going to die in this job, Lord. I, this job I have is the one you give in my lot. It's never going to change. And so we just quit. And God is like, oh, I can still work. Or like, I transform this community, transform this community. Well, I've been here a decade. It still hasn't been changed. And he's like, persevere. And so, yeah, it's, it's easier said than done. Trust me. I, I've, I've had things I've, not, I've stopped praying. But I do stop praying when I think it's very clear. But God is like, yeah, that's done. So if, if you were one of the brothers who prayed that, I want to marry this sister. Lord, open, open wide her heart to me. And then she married someone else. I think God is saying no. <laughs> I think at that point you need to be surrendered <laughs> and say God has said no uh, and I don't really know if he's going to force people to marry people wait <laughs> Assuming it's not um, 
unbiblical. So if I, if I adopt just one worldview that happens to be within the realm of biblical uh, views and examples of prayer, then that's going to be, I don't know. I mean, that, that, so I think just developing a more multifaceted uh, kind of approach to prayer and not just praying for the same, in the same type of way all the time, praying for different things like spiritual It did. <laughs> I was looking at Tim because Tim was looking, waiting really hard not to scratch his nose. And then he did it anyway. He's like, I hope no one got COVID. <laughs> He's like, my nose really itching now. Everyone's been exposed to me. Uh, anyone else? Like, what, what, what are some things? Because this is really important. Like, God says, my house will be a house of prayer. Like the worship space is supposed to be a house of prayer. And worship spaces are any place where Christians gather in genuine fellowship or one another. That it, it, that it's the house of prayer. AJ. <laughs> Which isn't bad. <laughs> Yeah, you know, one of, one of the things that is so important and for all of us, this is something that comes up all the time. And, and I'm stealing this from whoever said the decision-making thing. They did a whole, like, podcast about it, but I don't remember who said it, but they said it. And so if they ever go on the Casco Bay website, it's your credit. You got it. <laughs> um, they said there's God's divine will, right? So God approaches you with a burning bush, and he says, hey, I need you to go do this. That's the will of God. Can't dispute that, right? And then there is um, God's express will through Scripture. So, like, if God says, be faithful to your wife, be faithful to your wife. If God says, do that still, do that still. And then there is the will that God has for you. If, if, if the burning bush didn't speak to you and it falls within that divine will, I mean, expressed will, then everything else is the will of God. Does that make sense? So... I want to create, build a shelter. Is there anything in scripture that says, Steve, you can't build a shelter? No. So I could do that because it's been put on my heart to want to do that for God. And if the door's open, then I could go ahead and execute that. Does that make sense? Where if I know for a fact God has communicated to me to do something, like it's clear to me that if I go against that, then that's against the will of God. And I felt like that was helpful for me when it talks about, okay, what is the will of God? As long as it doesn't go against what Jesus is calling me to do, so if I said, God, kill this person for me. I think you're talking to the devil at that point. <laughs> you're asking the devil to crank it out for you. If you mean it literally, like the psalmist had those moments, right? Like I dashed their babies against it. You're like, golly, guys, you're going through it today. Um, but yeah, Tim. I was going to say, I, I 
I really, I like this discussion a lot. It's been cool, like, just talking about this stuff. But I definitely, like, uh, I think it's kind of like what Jesse said and a lot of people, I can inspire the first one. And I, I, it was really cool. Chanel, I think, has a lot of the first one. But when we went actually over in Uganda and uh, Rwanda this past September for the wedding, uh, I'm not going to tell the whole story, but, but we, we were part of a meeting where two brothers, two prominent leaders in the African churches from Kenya and Uganda, uh, were first seeing each other after both having almost died of COVID. And they both mutually were on floors where just hundreds of people were dying around them. And, and actually, one of the guys, his heart stopped three times. Wow. The whole church was praying that they would, they would live. And these, these two men lived. Um, in a place that really had very, very little, you know, medical, you know, technology and stuff like that. And just, just seeing and being part of that meeting and seeing the brothers and sisters and them singing songs, and it was just like, it was so palatable. And it's like, wow, that, that's real. And I didn't believe that that was kind of that first world view, but I just feel like as a, as a whatever, first world person, I just, I feel so far removed from that. But to see it in, in person was pretty amazing. I know it can be something, but yeah. Yeah, next, next, next session, we're going to talk about how the secular world has impacted all of our prayers. If you came up in this education system here, you've been impacted by the secular world. Like, they have told us what we can and cannot expect. And we have indirectly put God in that box that they gave us. It was like, this is how God works. This isn't how God works. Anyone else want to respond to anything they heard or share as we kind of wrap up a little bit? Oh, Fred the Jesse. I think it's pretty clear that God says that you're going to be answered according to your faith. Yeah. He, he says you, you can take tell a mountain to go throw itself in the sea, and it'll do it if you actually believe that. And we all go, yeah, yeah, nice, nice idea. <clears throat> but I think that you know I, I was listening to a lesson guy who was in Africa, and the, the, the world, the spiritual world is so much more vivid to those people, where they have witch doctors, and they have spells, and they have all this stuff going on. And he was saying, you know, if people come to him and say, we need mal malaria medicine, he gives them malaria medicine. But if people come and say, will you pray for my malaria, then he prays for them. And when they, the people who go away and come back their whole idea is, even if they took the malaria medicine, if you ask them how did things go, they say, well, God, God healed me. In the United States, we'd say the medicine healed me. That's our faith. That's what we've been educated to do. We've been educated in a secular, materialistic society that teaches us not to have biblical faith. Yeah. Because we can provide for ourselves. We can survive by ourselves. We can fix things ourselves with our technology, and you don't need God to fix anything for you, or to feed you, or to clothe you, or to give you shelter. Uh, in most cultures in the world, they know that God provides those things, and, and you know somehow we've got to reverse this, and we've got to reverse this this destruction of our faith, because the biblical example was pretty clear. They they prayed for healing and they prayed for demons which we've stopped believing in I, I'm not sure why I mean, these are all things we have to talk about because biblically they're very real and we can say well that was 2,000 years ago and I go that, that, that's crazy people are people Abraham was a guy Elijah was a guy just like me right he lived 3,000 years ago But God says he's just like you. And we need to have that kind, we need to resurrect that faith. I believe we need to resurrect those things. And it's hard work because we're combating everything that we've learned from the day we set foot in the kindergarten. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. Right. You're fired up, bro. Love it. Appreciate <laughs> <you>. <laughs> um, I guess something I appreciate about this discussion that, that I'm taking home with me is not just what I'm challenging, but also how I treat other people. And this is something Piggy brought up, and it's 
it made me realize, like, a lot of time, when I hear other people's prayer, there's a lot of judgment. So I'm like, oh, so you're that. You, you think that. That's, that's interesting. You know, like, oh, so we're praying for parking spots. Sometimes it's a cynicism, I think, that creeps in with other people. And sometimes it stays in my own head, in my own heart. And then other times it can be verbalized in different ways. But I think something I'm taking home is, like, really being mindful of that and like I don't know it's just an act of love to support other people's prayer and knowing that that citizenship can creep into my heart is like an important thing for me to recognize so I publicly apologize if I've made fun of you for your prayers but I guess come talk to me (laughs) (laughs) public confession (laughs) That's when you know the spirit is moving. Once people start confessing sin, man. Uh, well, well, 